Hi and welcome to the Demand Matrix podcast series Sunny Side Up. I'm Paroma. I'll be your host for the day. Hi Ben, welcome to the Demand Matrix podcast titled Sunny Side Up. We're really happy to have you here. How are you? I'm well, Paroma. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. Great. So let's start with uh, telling the audience a little bit about you and uh, what you do currently. Yeah, I work at Market Source. We're an alternative solution to outsource sales. In my role, I oversee the delivery of B2B sales and marketing teams. And we represent iconic enterprise brands working in a wide variety of industries and verticals, including technology, industrial, construction, chemicals, telecom, automotive, just to name a few, where we stand up and manage sales teams that augment or segment what they're already doing. Okay, so that's great. So can you tell us a little bit about your typical day at work? My typical day, it's a combination of having strategic meetings with our clients. Uh, A lot of times those are VPs of sales or marketing to model out new go-to-market strategies that typically disrupt their current model, but in a good way. And so I really enjoy having those conversations with those sales leaders and learning about their industries and markets. But then I also have to check in with our own teams and our own programs and the managers and the sales reps on their progress, make sure that we have continuous improvement strategies in place and implemented, as well as our innovation team getting involved with our programs to make sure that we're exceeding our clients' expectations. That's interesting. What caught my attention here is that you deal with a lot of sales and marketing executives at the VP level and also counsel them on strategies to disrupt the marketplace. So according to you, how many touch points should an ideal prospecting cadence have in this particular B2B segment? Yeah, I'm a fan of high amount of touch points initially. So if you use an uh, account-based marketing or account-based sales approach, I believe that once you've identified those accounts that you want to go after and the business units within those accounts, that you have a pretty high volume of attempts in a short period of time. And you do it, though, through several channels. So it's not just phone calls and emails that you're reaching out to them on social. You might even be using direct mail. You might even be using videos. You might even be using podcasts and webinars. And you do it and you kind of blitz them a lot. And the reason for that is I think that's the best way to get a hold of people initially because most attempts, most campaigns quit after two or three attempts. These people are very busy and you're just trying to capture them and capture their attention when they're available to talk to you in a way that they prefer to talk to you. And some people want to talk by phone. Some don't. Some want to talk by email. Some don't. Some want to talk by text. Some don't or chat. And you need to make all of those channels available. And then you do that maybe 12 attempts over a 30-day period. And after that, if it's not working, then you put them into a slower drip campaign with automated attempts and you go to your next batch of ABM accounts. But that's my preference simply because of how busy people are and how the buyer wants to be met today. Right. So obviously, there's a lot of struggle with alignment over here when you talk about sales and marketing going after a set of accounts. So what are you seeing people do today to improve this uh, alignment so that both can work successfully towards a centralized goal? Yeah, it's an age-old question. I'm not sure it'll honestly ever be solved. And frankly, in a way, sometimes that conflict between sales and marketing isn't a bad thing because they challenge each other's status quo and constantly make each other better. So sometimes that conflict actually can be, I think, depending on the the culture. Exactly. Now, having said that, I have seen best-in-class growth companies 
have strong alignment. The ones that I see that have great alignment, first of all, they give marketing very specific and quantifiable goals. So it's not just branding. It's not just reaching out. Like marketing needs to have very specific goals that's tied to sales. And if you think about what is the one thing, there's one thing that marketing is responsible for, whether they're doing branding or direct marketing, the one thing they're really responsible for is generating leads. That's their job. No matter how the campaign is, the outcome has to be inbound interest. And so if that's their job, I think it starts there that that should be one of their goals is how many leads to generate. Now, so it's not just about impressions and touches and triggers. I think you still measure those as leading indicators, but ultimately they need to be responsible for leads. And that's where sales and marketing need to have alignment. What does a lead look like? What's the definition of a lead? What's a lead that sales will accept? And then if they do accept it, I believe that sales then needs to have SLAs. How quickly are they going to respond to the lead? How quickly are they going to follow up? And how frequently, how many attempts, like we were talking about earlier, in their cadence, are they going to follow up? Hopefully they don't give up after one or two or three attempts that they're going to also have a multi-channel approach. So holding marketing accountable to outcomes, alignment on what a lead looks like, and then a very good SLA KPIs in place for sales to follow up with leads. Great. So ideally, where should marketing be handing off leads to sales in this entire process, according to you? I believe marketing should focus on demand generation and gaining inbound interest from prospects and leads. And once they have a reply or a a request for more information, that's when you hand the leads over. And if you have an SDR or BDR team, if you set up and segmented your sales roles that way, then the SDRs and BDRs then qualify the leads, maybe schedule demos, maybe even do intro demos themselves or schedule appointments for the AEs, the account executives. And I've seen a lot of people talk about a common question I hear a lot is, should the BDRs and SDRs report to marketing or should they report to sales? And depending on the culture, I've seen it successful in both environments, but it's more common that it's successful if the SDRs and BDRs report to sales. Because I just feel like that the SDR and BDR role is more of a sales motion. It requires sales competencies. It requires sales acumen and should be managed by a sales leader, not a marketing leader. That's just my personal preference. So I think, again, marketing is responsible for generating inbound and demand generation. And then once they do have interest, then you have a good BDR, SDR team to qualify those leads and then hand them over to the account executives. That's an interesting insight. And uh, especially today in the B2B uh, segment and obviously marketing segments, there's a lot of use of data. Everything is data driven. What kind of data are you seeing getting more attention? And have you seen intent and installed tech data play a big role here? Yeah, I, I certainly am. It's getting better, you know, in my opinion. It's very much data is improving dramatically and in a very quick way. If you want to talk about AI, it's a buzzword, right? And some data companies are certainly throwing it around without having true cognitive learning in their technology. But the data and metrics I see in demand today are truly predictive, right? And in an automated way and responds quickly. It's not just data that's refreshed every three months like a lot of the data companies are advertising. It needs refreshed faster than that. It almost needs to be real time. That's where we all want to see data get to. I'm excited about advancements in technographic data, for example, which analyzes digital signals to see who is using or recently purchased different technologies. This allows marketing 
to identify maybe current accounts that may need some bolt-on technologies that you could cross-sell into, or even see what accounts might be using competitive products that you could target for displacement. These are all examples that I'm excited that data can provide both marketing and sales for their campaigns. And it's more of a narrow AI than just general AI. This is a narrow AI that fits extremely well, especially into account-based marketing efforts. That made a lot of sense. And uh, now we're going to dive into account-based marketing since we've, al- we've already touched upon it. How are you seeing B2B companies scale their efforts in ABM? Because, you know, ABM has always been about deep personalization, hyper-personalization, but there's always been a struggle when it comes to scaling this, going after many accounts at the same time. So how are you seeing trends change in ABM regards this? <laughs> well, first of all, I believe there needs to be full commitment to the ABM strategy, and it starts at the very top. So this can't just be a marketing idea or strategy or a sales idea strategy. This is truly a company-wide change because the results can be outstanding. You can end up with a lot more customers that look like your current best customers and fewer of those high-maintenance customers that aren't really as profitable uh, but still take up a lot of resources. Now, unfortunately, I've also what could happen, I wouldn't say unfortunate, What could happen and what you need to be prepared for is this could be an investment because when you switch from the spray and pray marketing method or sales method and get more narrowly focused with an ABM approach, that means your current sales funnel will get depleted and you almost need to build a new one. And that also means it could take a good year for an ABM strategy to really scale, which means you could have flat sales growth or even declining growth revenue during that transition phase. And so therefore, Mm -hmm. that's why this has to have support at the top, because this needs to be a long-term strategy, not a quarter-by-quarter strategy. But when it's done right, the scaling, the implementation, and the results more than make up for that that year of transition, and you can see hyper-growth. Now, to go back to more specifically answering your question, by having the right customers and the right accounts identified. That's where, like we were talking about earlier, sales and marketing truly need to be aligned because they need to identify the right ideal customer profile, the right target accounts. And that's where I think sales and marketing need to work together. And even customer service and delivery need to work together in identifying what those accounts look like. Marketing then works with sales to determine what are the best topics for content that is used throughout the entire sales cycle in a multi channel or omni-channel delivery, so several methods of communication there, build a huge library of content or experiences, and have a cadence to arm sales with the customized material when they need to use it or want to use it. So those are examples where, kind of where we talked about earlier, that alignment with sales and marketing need to be very important to scaling ABM as well as executive support. So what are some of the biggest misses you see in B2B sales and marketing, especially in companies that are pursuing ABM strategies? Really in sales, what frustrates me quite a bit when I'm visiting with different industries and markets and companies is the most common thing I see is sales is not evolving or transforming or adapting to the buyer's preferences. The Mm -hmm. buyer's expectations are evolving very quickly. 
And I see B2B sales reps and teams not adjusting quick enough to meet the buyer where they want to be met. All the time I'm seeing old agent models or channel partners or just reps that have been around that are still relying on just one or two channels of communication, visiting their favorite customers, the classic 80-20 rule. They're visiting the 20% of their favorite customers that generate 80% of their revenue. They're not adding digital platforms to build relationships with their current accounts or to find net new. If you think about the buyers, one of the ways they're different is, you know, we all know that millennials are over 50% of the workforce. They're not only 50% of the workforce, they're now over 50% of the decision makers and buyers. And not all of them want face-to-face meetings or demo decks or you dropping off donuts. B2B salespeople need to adjust by having more conversations in several delivery methods like social, video, web demos, webinars, podcasts like this, surveys, chat, text, not just phone and email. That's not enough for B2B sellers today. And you need to have human conversations, which can be done on digital platforms. Right. That's a very interesting insight. Um, we're going to dive into something else now. What kind of MarTech or sales tech, sales tech products would you advise people to use regards all that we've spoken about, be it, be it uh, centralizing your data or driving your ABM strategy? What are the topmost products that come to your mind that you would tell other people to use? Well, data is certainly king today. Data is the new oil, as they say, or new currency. It's continuing to improve. It needs to continue to improve, frankly, and it's getting there because as it improves and becomes more real-time and uses AI and cognitively adapts, you're going to see marketing sales companies reduce what I call their red time. Red time is that those non-sales and marketing activities, research, right, and pulling your own kind of spreadsheets together and and figure out your campaigns. When data is done right, and it is happening very quickly, it reduces that red time and increases the green time. Green time are sales activities. Green time are actual marketing activities. And that's what I think companies need to focus on to be more efficient. And data is going to help with that in the future. AI is going to help with that in, in the very near future. I also am excited about some of the sales coaching products that are coming out there and training products. So a combination of, and again, this is using AI also, onboarding reps and allowing them to role play on video, allowing them to get excellent feedback on their delivery, areas of improvement. That helps speed up the ramp time for reps so that they can get to revenue faster. But even your veteran reps, you can't ignore your legacy and veteran reps. If you want to keep your best talent, you need to constantly be developing them. There's some excellent digital sales coaching that's starting to come up now. Training material, observation, ways to observe, ways to do one-on-ones. You know, I'm a big believer in investing in your people through developing them. And there's some excellent tools out there for coaching and training products. Great. So are there any uh, last takeaways that you'd like to share with the audience? Yeah, it's avoid status quo. (laughs) Too often I see companies and sales teams and marketing teams that just are stuck in the status quo, stuck in the way things have always been. And even in industries that have been around a long time that you don't think are digital, guess what? They're digital. And that's because the millennials are digital. And again, they're the buyers now. So avoid status quo at all costs. 
even if that means, you know, just A-B test some stuff first, right? If you're not ready to go all in and you're a little risk averse for going all in, which I get, you should be, you know, you need to do your due diligence. So A-B test some stuff over a period of time. And if something works, boom, you can implement it enterprise-wide. So I just think the key advice that I have for any sales or marketing organization is avoid status quo, test stuff. Because look, strategies and plans are not a strategy or a plan until they actually get executed, until you press the go button. Until that, it's just an idea. So it's not being afraid to press that go button, even if it means, you know, pilot testing it, at least, at least start there. Yeah, absolutely. So Ben, I think this was a very interesting chat and I thank you for spending this time with us. It was my pleasure. Thank you for the tough questions and the conversation. And uh, feel free to reach out to me. We'll have you make the questions so they won't be that tough. (laughs) (laughs) No, I like tough questions. Those are the conversations that are more intriguing. So great job. (laughs) Great. Thank you so much. I hope you have a brilliant day ahead and uh, we'll catch up soon. We'll have you over sometime very soon again. Sounds great, Paroma. Thank you. Thank you so much. Bye-bye.